You're listening to the Burn Youth Podcast. We hope this message encourages and challenges you to live for Jesus. Let's get into it. I want to tell you a story as we get into the Word tonight. And this is going to be, this is going to sound a little bit, initially, just bear with me, it's going to sound a little bit like a school uh, presentation, like a speech in front of the class, okay? So if I make eye contact with you and you make me laugh, okay, then you're going to give me a bad grade, Emily, so please. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm going to dive in. This is a real life true story, okay? Krista McAuliffe was born in Boston, Massachusetts in 1948. As a teenager, she was inspired by the Apollo moon landing. And it's recorded that she said to her high school friends, do you realize that someday people will be going to the moon? Maybe even taking a bus. I want to do that. Krista got her master's degree in education. And then later she married her childhood sweetheart who she'd known since high school. Isn't that nice? In 1970, she obtained her first teaching position as a junior high history teacher. Later in 1984, President Ronald Reagan announced the NASA Teacher in Space program. NASA wanted to find a civilian who was gifted in teaching to go into space and teach the students remotely while in orbit. It was a stunt to help promote NASA's, NASA's, to help promote NASA's space shuttle program and generate interest in STEM subjects with young students. And so Krista McAuliffe, she submitted an application for the program. And after much consideration, she was announced as one of the 10 finalists for that position. There was a potential that she was going to space. Krista and the other candidates went to the Johnson Space Center for one week of intense medical examinations and space flight briefings. After which it was decided that Krista McAuliffe had been selected for the position. Krista would be the first teacher in space. (laughs) Come on. Krista, she took a one-year break from her teaching. While she trained with NASA and prepared for launch day. One year of intense, grueling astronaut training. And during this time, she also prepared for the recorded lessons that she would deliver and be be broadcasted to classrooms all over the U.S., She also made several media appearances to promote the Teacher in Space program. And in one interview, she was asked about the mission and she said, if you're offered a seat on a rocket ship, don't ask what seat, just get on. On January 28, 1986, Krista McAuliffe boarded the Space Shuttle Challenger along with six other astronauts. Hundreds of spectators gathered at a safe distance from the launch, including Krista's parents, and students from her class. The Space Shuttle Challenger launched at 11.38 a.m. Within three seconds, large puffs of dark gray smoke escaped from the connection point of the right rocket booster. The rocket continued to ascend for another 60 seconds before the right rocket booster pulled away from the strut attaching it to the body which caused the Space Shuttle Challenger to be pushed sideways off course. The last recorded speech from the crew was, uh uh-oh, from the pilot right before 
the rocket exploded. At this moment, the crew cabin separated in one piece from the rest of the vehicle and traveled in an arc away from the explosion. Within 25 seconds, the crew inside the cabin were 20 kilometers above the earth. And after reaching 20 kilometers elevation, the crew cabin descended in free fall. The crew members who were conscious at the time had just enough time to start preparing their emergency equipment. However, they didn't have enough time to escape before they plunged into the Atlantic Ocean. What was left of the Space Shuttle Challenger hit the surface of the water at 333 kilometers per hour, killing Krista McAuliffe and the astronauts instantly. Don't make, don't make me. <laughs> Elena, you are a crack up. How could you be laughing in a situation like this? <laughs> the title of my sermon tonight, the title of my talk for you tonight is this Failure to Launch. Oh. Turn to the person on uh, either side. Turn to someone and say, failure to launch. Oh, failure to launch. Failure to launch. The last thing that you want to do in life is fail to launch. No No one sets out to launch a rocket wanting it to explode. No, no one does it. No one sets out to launch a rocket expecting it to fail at launch, but that's not the plan. That's not what we want. Krista McAuliffe, she spent a whole year, one whole year from her regular job, training to be an astronaut. Even more than that, the the regular astronauts, they'd spent years and years and years in in grueling, intense training for this moment. And, And on top of that, the engineers had spent decades You know, the scientific history to get to this moment, it was immense. There was a lot of preparation and they didn't prepare to fail. They didn't expect to fail at launch. No one wants to fail at launch. When it comes to life, the last thing that you want to do is fail. The last thing I want to do is fail. No one wants to fail. We don't want to fail. We don't want to fail at launch. None of us want to go through school and high school and then get to adult life and then fall flat on our face. We don't prepare for that. No one wants that to happen, right? What's the point of teaching? What's the point of going through school? They're teaching you so that you can succeed in life. That's the plan. That's the blueprint. You want to succeed at life. You want to lift off into all that God has for you. You don't want to fail at launch. No one prepares for that. You don't want to go through your time as a teenager in burn youth and then go to adult life and then your relationship with Jesus just dies. That's not the plan. That's not the blueprint. That's not, the, that's not what we've prepared for. This time of preparation is to prepare you to lift off, not to fail at launch. This time in school is to prepare you for adult life to succeed to fly, to soar, to go to the moon and back, not to, not to explode and, and fail at launch. No one prepares to fail. 
In my time in this youth group, we've seen many kids come in and out. We've seen many kids come in and out and some lift off and some fail at launch. We've seen kids from grade six go to to year 12 and then graduate high school and, and leave their time at Burn Youth. And some of them make it, but others, they explode, they flop, they flounder, they veer off course, they lose control, they have a failure to launch. I want to encourage you tonight that God, He wants you to lift off. God wants you to succeed in life. He's preparing in you right now the things that you need to succeed as an adult. He doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to fall flat on on your face. He doesn't want you to walk away from your faith. He doesn't want you to stop believing in Him. He doesn't want you to give up on your dreams. God doesn't want you to fail at launch. He wants you to lift off. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God's got a plan for your life, young person. Your mom might have a plan for your life. Oh yeah, he's going to go to this university. He's going to study this. You might have a plan for your life. No, stuff that mom. I want to go, you know, be a rock star. But God has a plan for your life. That's better than your mom's plan for you or even your own plan for you. God has a plan for your life and it's a plan to prosper. It's a plan to to see you succeed and to see you lift off in life, to see you win. He wants to see you win. He's your biggest fan. He's championing you in life. He wants you to follow Him for the rest of your life. He doesn't want you to stop. God wants you to stay the course and keep coming to church and keep coming to youth group and keep growing. God wants you to lift off in your careers and your dreams and your passions. God wants you to lift off into the future that He has planned for you. He wants you to lift off and follow the Holy Spirit. He wants you to lift off and become more like Jesus every day. God doesn't want you to fail at launch. God wants you to lift off. Amen. God is preparing you right now, young person, to lift off. God is preparing you right now for that season of life when you step into adulthood. He's preparing you to succeed. He's preparing you to lift off, to grow more and more like Him every day. He's preparing you right now. Just like you're going to school five days a week. Every single day while you're in Burn Youth, every single Friday night you come to Burn Youth, we are preparing you just like your teachers are preparing you. We are preparing you. And even more so, God is preparing you for, for, for liftoff. God is preparing you to succeed in life. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says this, direct your children onto the right path. And when they're older, they will not leave it. That's what God's doing for you right now. You guys, children, right? Um, Youth, teenagers, whatever, right? Young people who are not adults, right? You guys, children, God is directing you right now. God is putting you onto the right path. So when you are older, when you're adults, you won't go down the wrong path. God is developing in you, in, in your season of youth, in your season at Burn Youth, because your season at Burn Youth will end one day. This is not forever. In your season as a youth, God is developing in you the foundation for the rest of your life. Your time in Burn Youth, your few years in Burn Youth, your years growing up in church are years where God is teaching you the ways to live right so that when you're older, you don't live wrong. God is putting the right stuff into you now so when that launch day comes, you don't fail at launch, you lift off into what He has for you. 
But despite all that preparation, we can still fail at launch. Kristen McAuliffe, like I said earlier, she prepared for a whole year. The astronauts prepared for many years. The engineers prepared for even more, uh, more years than that, but still they failed at launch. Preparation is only good if it pays off in the execution. Preparation is only worthwhile if it pays off in the execution. You can come to youth group for years. You can be encouraged by your hub leaders for years. You can hear amazing messages and go to revival week and go to youth camp and, and receive all the spiritual prep that you need to lift off into life, but then you can still fail at launch. All of that spiritual prep, all of that prep every Friday night will mean nothing if you overlook a few small things. Oh, hear me. The team at NASA, they did a lot of prep, but they failed because they overlooked a few small things. What happened, and the reason why the Space Shuttle Challenger blew up, is because they overlooked three small O-ring seals. The O-rings were little rubber seals that sealed certain fuel compartments tight so they didn't leak and then cause a fire and explosion, right? But these seals were defective. And on the day of launch, it was a lot colder than the previous days of testing. And the rubber seals, they became brittle because of the temperature. And then when the rocket boosters heated up, these seals shattered into thousands of pieces and it caused a chain reaction of events which led to the death of the whole crew. And in fact, one of the engineers were, were aware of this issue. One of the engineers was concerned about these O-ring seals and brought it up to his superior, but the superior shut him down because he wanted to stick to the deadline for launch. He wanted to rush. He wanted to rush ahead and it caused the death of Christopher McAuliffe and the whole crew. The lesson here is don't overlook the small things. Listen to me. Don't overlook the small things. Why? Because small things become big things. If you overlook the small things, you can develop big problems in your life. Song of Solomon. Oh, you didn't think I was going to bring this one out. But Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Pastor Hamish, what on earth does this have to do with rocket ships? What on earth does this have to do with overlooking the small things? Well, let me tell you. The Song of Solomon, this book, it's about a romance. It's a love story between a man and a woman, right? And the vineyards in this verse represent their love growing, their relationship blossoming. A little bit of English for you, right? Foxes are destructive creatures, right? They'll get in the chicken coop. They'll, they'll, they'll destroy the crops, all of that, right? But in this passage, notice it's the little foxes, that destroy the vineyards. It's the little foxes that destroyed the vineyards. Let me interpret that for you. Listen to me. It's the little overlooked things that can destroy your growing relationship with God. The little things. It's not always the big things that'll catch you out. Sometimes it's the little things that you overlook that can stunt or even stop your relationship with God. It's the little things that you overlook that can stop you lifting off. It's the little things that you overlook that make you fail at launch. So tonight, if you're taking notes, anyone taking notes? Come on, come on, come on. No one. God bless you. <laughs> Oi, bring your Bible to youth. 
Bring your notebook to youth because you can get the most out of it. Hey, we're taking three points tonight. Three O-rings tonight. Three O-rings that you better not overlook. Three O-rings that you better not overlook. O-ring number one. Somebody say one. One. Keep showing up. (laughs) Say keep showing up. (laughs) I got you, Justin Bieber. (laughs) O-ring number one. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Don't overlook the importance of showing up. It sounds like such a small thing. Oh, yeah, this person rocked up to youth tonight. Oh, yeah, this person rocked up to church tonight. Yeah, big deal. But don't overlook the importance of showing up. Rocking up to church on a Sunday, it might seem like a small thing. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter if I go or, or not go this week. Big deal. It seems like a small thing, but really it adds up to being a big thing. Over the years of your life, it adds up to being such an important and valuable thing. I wonder, do you actually go to church? You know what to say when Alvin and Joe ask what happens on a, on a Sunday, but do you know what to do on a Sunday? Right? Sunday comes and uh, you might be feeling a little bit tired. I get, I get it. I get it. But do you prioritize the things of God in your life? Now, many of you can't drive. So some days your mom and dad might be going, hey, let's stay home from church. That's cool. I get it. But there's other days, and I know it because I see some of your parents come to church, but I go, hey, where's, where's your son? Where's your daughter? Oh, he's sleeping in. Don't, un- don't underestimate the value of showing up. Don't underestimate the value of showing up to church on a Sunday. It's so important. Coming to church consistently is an important habit to keep. Because if you make that habit right now as a, as a teenager, and Blake, I see you like every week, bro. If you make that habit right now as a young person, then when you're older and you got a mortgage to pay and you got kids to feed and you got stresses of work, then that foundation of coming to church every week, Sunday means church, no matter what, that's already in place. If you don't have that in place as a young person, then when you grow up and uni is stressing you and and your boyfriend just dumped you or the bills are coming in and you're just stressed, then church, you're not even gonna go there. You're not even going to think about going there. Your default position will be like, I just feel like staying at home. And while I get that, and while it's comfortable to stay at home, church is where you need to be. Because church is where there's other like-minded Christians who can encourage you. You're staying home because you're feeling sad and you're feeling stressed about life. But at church, the Spirit of God is there and the fellowship of the saints, other Christians are there. And so they can actually encourage you through the stress that you're in. Don't let the stress that you're in and how you're feeling keep you away from being consistent at church. Church is the one place you need to be. Next time you're thinking about skipping out on youth because you're feeling sad, come to youth and let His presence, God's presence, fill you with joy. Church is the place you need to be. Don't don't overlook the O-ring of showing up. Keep showing up. Coming to church is so important because I know at school, it feels lonely sometimes. Like you don't feel like there's a lot of people in your corner. You look around and you're like, where are the other Christians? I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm an outsider here. But at church, you're welcome. At church, you're a family. If you want to know the importance of coming to church, look up Grown With God on YouTube. Johan Jacob over here. <laughs> He's got an amazing video on the importance of why we, why we do church. But one of the other reasons why we do church is because you have fellow Christians to the left and to the right of you who believe the same things as you 
and who can encourage you in your faith. When you're stressed and you're going, oh, my friends are bagging me out for being a Christian. You come to youth on a Friday, you come to church on a Sunday and your youth leaders and your hub friends can encourage you and say, no, stay the path. Keep going. Don't give up. And we need that kind of fellowship. We need to be able to socialise with other Christians. Being consistent, while it seems like a small thing, it can make a really big impact. Keep showing up no matter what, despite your feelings. Keep showing up despite whether you have friendships or not at church. Keep showing up no matter uh, whether you feel stagnant with God. Some people stop going to church because they feel like, oh, I'm not feeling it with God anymore. Bro, if you're not feeling it with God anymore, church is the first place you should be on a Sunday. Church is the first place you should be. So I encourage you, if you don't go to church, go to church. If, you're, if your family goes to another church that's not Capital Edge, make sure you go to that church every single Sunday. If your family comes to Capital Edge, go to Capital Edge every single Sunday. Make it a habit. Make it a habit. Hebrews 10, 25, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. The second O-ring. The second O-ring that you better not overlook. Keep Him in the centre. Turn to your neighbour and say, keep Him in the centre. Keep Him in the centre. What I'm saying is don't overlook the importance of keeping God in the centre of your life. It may seem like a small decision, but it's a big thing. And let me tell you, no one all of a sudden decides, oh, today God is in the center of my life. And actually tomorrow I think I'm going to totally betray Him. And now I'm just going to deal drugs and just, you know, now I'm just going to, you know, no one decides all of a sudden, oh, yes, I'm going for God. And now, bye-bye, see you later. I'm... You know, I'm going to go serve the devil now. You know, no one decides to do that. No one. De- I was I was quoting a figurative person. I'm not going to serve the devil. I'm serving the Lord Jesus all the days of my life. But what I'm saying is, no one decides in one decision. Not nah, stuff you got. I'm doing my own thing. No, nah, you're not in the center of my life. Uh, money is in the center of my life. No one decides in one decision to just betray God like that and remove Him from the center of their life. You know how it happens? It's lots of little decisions. Lots of little foxes. Lots of little small decisions along the way. You know how it starts? It starts with this. It starts... It starts with maybe a Friday night. Oh yeah, boss, I'll cover that shift. That's just one small decision, big deal. And it would be if it was left at that, but if it keeps going... A year later and you haven't been in church because you've prioritized money. And now money is in the center of your heart, not God. It could be a, a girl. Maybe you start you know, dating someone and, and it's just one small decision, but then it, the decisions get a little bit bigger and get a little bit further from what you know God has for you. And all of a sudden you're in a place where you wake up dreaming you wake up dreaming you're dreaming about her you're thinking about her all the time to the point where you, you when was the last time you prayed when was the last time you spent with, uh, time with God 
When you're afraid, when you're hurt, when you're upset, you turn to this relationship instead of the God of the universe, the God who loves you. And all of a sudden, God's not at the center, but this relationship is at the center instead. Choose to keep God in the center of your life. If you want to lift off into all that He has for you, if you don't want to fail at launch, then you need to choose young person to keep Him in the center of your life. Prioritize time with Him every single day. Every single day, make time for God every day. Don't compromise on it. Doesn't matter if you were up late the night before and you're sleepy and you want to sleep in. Doesn't matter if you were out all night and you come home and it's midnight and you're like, oh, I haven't read my Bible. I haven't spent time with you, God. Ah, stuff, I'll just go to sleep. Even if it's at midnight, spend time with God. Make sure you spend time with God every single day. It's so important. There's nothing in the universe that deserves the place of God in your heart. Nothing. There's nothing in the whole universe that deserves the spot that only God can fill in your heart. There's no relationship that can replace God. There's no career that can replace God. There's no lifestyle that can replace God. No addiction, no dream, no desire, no passion of your heart. Nothing deserves to be in the centre of your life more than God does. Philippians 3, 7-8, I love this book. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Everything is worthless compared to the joy of knowing Jesus. Everything is worthless compared to the joy of knowing Jesus. Put God first in your life. Doesn't matter what career you're chasing. Doesn't matter what you're studying at school. Doesn't matter what gig you're offered that pays more than the last. Doesn't matter what relationship comes across your path. God should always be first. Don't build your life to fit God in somewhere. Oh, well, I'll start with school first and I'll start with my friendships and I'll I'll load it up. And if there's a little bit of space left in my suitcase, then God, I'll, I'll squeeze you in and then I'll jump on it. Put God first in the suitcase and then put everything else around it. Put God first in your life and then squeeze everything else around it if you got space. And let me tell you, once you put God first, then everything will be added to you. The Bible says, seek the kingdom of God first and everything else will be added to you. Every, every desire that you have, everything that you hope for, all those things will come after, but you need to put God first in your life. Amen. All right, the last one, and then I'm going to wrap up, and then we're going to have a dance party, and it's going to be, it's going to be popping. Literally, it's we're going to have a dance party, and even if you feel awkward and you feel weird, we're just going to shake it. We're just going to shake your booties and just have a have a fun time, <laughs> in a very godly way. Boy, David, he danced before the Lord. Let me tell you, he danced in his birthday suit before the Lord. But final point, final point. Are you with me? Are you with me? All right, all right, all right. What point are we up to? Three. Three, yeah, good, good, good. The third O-ring that you better not overlook. The third O-ring is keep it real. And I don't, I don't mean like my dad when he says, keeping it real. McKenna knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, keep it real, bro. Nah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being genuine. I'm talking about having an authentic, real relationship with God, not a fake one. Not a showy one, not a, not a just do the Christian thing type of one, but a real on the inside, have a real relationship with God. Keep it real. You got to be real. Being a Christian is more than just the things we do. 
It's who we are and it's who we're becoming. It's not about religious, ritualistic things. Oh yeah, we stand up, we sit down, we say a prayer and everybody said, amen. It's not about those ritualistic things. And yes, we do them because there's gotta be some sort of structure to church. But in your relationship with God, it it can't be synthesized. It's gotta be organic. It's gotta be real. It can't be fake. It's gotta come from your heart. It's gotta be real. It sounds pretty simplistic. It sounds pretty small to say, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, make sure you have a real relationship with God. Sounds a bit redundant, doesn't it? It sounds a bit simplistic, but it's so important. Why? Because sometimes our focus is about growing the things that make it seem that we have a real relationship with God rather than focusing on growing a relationship with God. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes our focus is about growing in the things that make it seem that we have a real relationship with God rather than focusing on growing a relationship with God. We would rather build on the big flashy things of Christianity. It's fun to focus on the big things. It's fun to focus on looking like a Christian, you know, wearing your cross necklace, you know, like, you know, doing all the church chat things. Like it's fun to look, carrying your Bible, like, yeah, look, my Bible's bigger than yours. You know, I'm a real Christian. It's fun to look like a Christian. It's fun to focus on the big things like sounding like a Christian. Amen, brother. Preach it, white boy. You know, it's fun. It's fun to focus on the big things. It's fun to focus on the big things like going to church or going to the latest conference or youth camp. But you know what really matters? It's the small things about your relationship with God. It's the small things about Christianity that are going to lift you off into your life. It's the small things that matter. Like this, do you read your Bible? Do you spend time with God? Do you pray? Do you hear from God? Do you ask God for help and direction? Do you even know God? Those are the things that are going to matter. Those are the things that are going to matter. And even after you get all these things right, What happens if you still fail? I don't know. (laughs) What happens then? (laughs) I'll tell you what happens then. Because it happened to me. I was like you. I went through school. I went through youth group. And after school, I, I almost lost my faith. I didn't know who I was. I failed at launch. But like this song sings, His love never fails. His love never fails. So even if you fail at launch, even if you make a mistake, even if you have a prodigal son moment and you're not sure if you believe in God anymore, He believes in you and He's there for you and His love will never fail for you. He loves you with an everlasting love. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. I wanna pray for someone tonight. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and, and you're thinking, Hamish, you're talking about lifting off and failing to launch. What the heck do you even mean? (laughs) Let's be real. (laughs) I I just want to say to you, God loves you. He loves you so much that even when we were rebelling against Him, even when we were dead in our sins, He chose to send His Son, Jesus, to take the price of our sin on His shoulders to die on a cross to defeat the power of sin and death in your life. 
God sent His Son to die for you, to give you a chance of salvation, to give you an opportunity to have a relationship with God. That's what we've been talking about tonight. We've been talking about building a real relationship with God. And you might be sitting here and you're like, I know about God. I've heard about Jesus. But if I, if I was honest, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Like Justin Bieber, I know who Justin Bieber is, but I don't have a real relationship with him. But the difference tonight, young person, is that you can have a real relationship with Jesus. You can have a real relationship with God. If you've never made a decision to have a relationship with God, but you would like to, on the count of three, no one else is looking around, just me. On the count of three, just slip up your hand. If you want to have a real relationship with God, put up your hand in one, two, three. Put up your hand. Thank you, Lord. Just keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you can put your hands down. We're going to pray as a youth group for those people that just put their hands up. So repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to have a real relationship with you. Tonight, I declare that you are my Lord and Savior. Tonight, I decide to follow you with everything I have. I'm not turning back. I'm not giving up. I'm putting you in the center. I want to know you. Thank you, Lord. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Burn Youth Podcast. To stay in the loop, follow us on Instagram at Burn Youth. See you next time.